Hello, and welcome to the HP Lovecraft Book Club. Um, and in this episode, I will be looking at, at Ex Oblivione um, by, by HP Lovecraft. This is a Dreamland story. It's one of his shortest Dreamland stories. In fact, one of the shortest stories he wrote. I mean, there's some fragments that are shorter, but this might be the, the actual shortest story he published. I don't know. Um, we'll keep keep an eye for it, but it's 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 got to be up there. It's got to be one of the the shortest. <clears throat> Written in sometime in 1920 or 1921, we don't quite know, but it was published in March of 1921 in the United Amateur. Um, so this story, in a way, is kind of like a uh, dealing with some of the same themes as as Celephus. Um, Celephus is about a guy who really can't make it in the in the regular the real world i guess and so retreats to the dreamlands to become a king this uh, is thematically very similar but it's it's all reduced it's much more um, um abstract i guess uh, we don't get a lot of the details that we get in salafus in that we get a you know a place he wants to go he goes on journeys we we know a little bit more about him in the real world so we don't get that much of that in Ex Oblivione. So it's just more of a, a sketch, a prose poem, really, of, uh, about this theme of someone retreating to the dreamlands and turning their back on the real world. Um, but before I talk about this, I got to talk about a message I got from a friend about my reading of The Tree. Um, so I'll just uh, let that know. Um, what is, this is this is Jesse from SFF Audio. You should follow him on Twitter. Uh, listen to his podcasts. Um, but this is what he wrote in response to my episode on the tree. Um, quote, Please to report that I have awesome interpretation of the tree by H.P. Lovecraft that you missed, as does everyone else. The story is actually a murder mystery. Kalos was poisoned by Musetides. He insisted on slowly nursing him back to health because he was jealous of Kalos' nature-inspired art. That was better than his city debauched art. The great branch falling is revenge from the grave. Um, and then he talks about an episode that he makes this case. Knowing this makes the story a lot better, but it works without knowing it. I was flummoxed by the story the first time I read it. As usual, your, forget, your, your forgetting thesis, he's referring there to my, you know, the, the theme of forgetting that I have mentioned a lot in, this, in these podcasts. So, as usual, your uh, forgetting thesis fits perfectly with the story, and the fact that the knowledge of the murder is available to the folk, but they don't see it, makes it all the sweeter of support of the thesis. So, that's his idea. I think that's really good. I, I think I don't really have a problem with that interpretation. I think it works. I think there's evidence for that. Um, I guess I wasn't that into the tree. It, it was in this period. It's actually like my least favorite story in this period of... of of Lovecraft's work um, so I just didn't really maybe invest the time in really deep thinking about that that story the way I should have perhaps so maybe it's on me maybe Jesse's just been the only person who's noticed this thing about it but that's why we 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 kind of have to read these things collectively as a community as a group and, and all come up with different insights based on our own experiences and observations so, anyways, I, I was playing, uh, so moving on to Ex Oblivione, I was playing with the idea of doing this along with Nyarlathotep, just to kind of combine those two into one episode, but I think Nyarlathotep has enough cool stuff to talk about 
that I want to do it its own episode. So instead, I'm just going to do a short little episode, like less than 10 minutes on this little story, just to introduce it. Um, in fact, if you listen to the audiobook version of this, one of the many readings you can find on YouTube of this, it's five minutes long, right? It's literally only two pages. So very, very quick read. And um, it's kind of thematically stuff we already dealt with. So we can go through it pretty quick. And then I'll just... Uh, uh, immediately tomorrow, I'll record my thoughts on Nero Apatep, but I'll, I'll upload these as separate episodes. So, ex oblivione just means from oblivion, um, lost, right? And so we got a, a character here who is lost in the dreamlands, right? He's also feeling lost in, in you know, the in the world that he's he was born into. Um, yeah, a lot of the story deals with that feeling of just aimlessness isolation um it's described like just existence in our world is is like a water torture quote uh, the ugly trifles of existence began to drive me to madness like the small drop to water that tortures let fall ceaselessly upon one spot of the victim's body um you know and somewhere else he says um where is it after a while as the days of waking became less and less bearable from their grayness and sameness i would drift in opiate peace through the valleys and shadow groves and wonder how I might seize them back, seize them from my eternal dwelling place so that I need no more crawl back to the dull world uh, stripped of interest in new colors. So it's just boring. The world is just boring for this guy. Um, and to some degree, that might be how Lovecraft feels, um, I guess, if we want to kind of put Lovecraft's psychology into it. A lot of the dreamlands have that feel of someone who's kind of discontent with the world. It's easier to look at a story like The Horror at Red Hook and say, yeah, this is really Lovecraft complaining about New York, especially Brooklyn, a particular community in Brooklyn where he lived and the people who live there. And that's really coming drawing from life. Right. But with these Dreamland stories, you know, a lot of them are about someone who's really discontent, really not fitting in his time or his place. So the Dreamlands become a way to kind of transport oneself to a different time, like in Polaris or to a different realm, like in Selephus and in this story. Um, but, you know, here it's just boredom. I, I think it's actually a little bit better than Selephus and a little bit, you know, I, I buy it more because the character in Selephus is just socially isolated. He has no one left. He's been completely ignored. Um, he has no family left, right? And he's basically a homeless guy, right? And obviously those people exist, but this just boredom about life, I think, is something that's maybe felt by more people. And, and we all probably feel that at some point in our life that just this world we live in doesn't really have anything new to offer and the days feel the same, right? This kind of ennui um, that he feels. So uh, when he feels this ennui, he sleeps and he enters the dreamlands and these dreamlands provide, um, you know, something better, right? And that's the story, essentially. Now, where there's kind of a twist halfway through, and again, this is a five-minute read, so it's... Two minutes in, you see a bit of a shift in the story, and that is while he's in the dreamlands, he's at the city of Zacharian. I think this is the only place mentioned um, specifically in this story. Um, and it's only mentioned in this story. It's not mentioned in another dreamland story, so we can't really cross-reference this. So it's, it's completely separate um, from, like, Dream Quest of an Unknown Kadath, at least in terms of places that we can identify. And anyways, he goes there and he finds this yellow papyrus, this old document. 
right? Quote, filled with the thoughts of the dream stages who dwelt in old in that city and who were too wise ever to be born in the waking world. So these dream sages were, were so gifted that they never actually had to be born in the world. It's, it's kind of a fascinating idea. Um, they could control their soul even to, to be born only in the dreamlands. Um, but anyways, they have this lore. So this mythology of dreams that, created by the dream sages, this book, right, that he's able to, to get at. And what he learns, well, he writes this. Some of the dream sages wrote gorgeously on the wonders beyond the irrepressible gates, but others told of horror and disappointment. I knew not which to believe. He longed more and more to cross forever into the unknown lands. So he's not quite sure what he's getting because these different sources, these writings of the dream sages don't always agree on everything. Some are more pessimistic. Some are more horror-filled. But nevertheless, it's better than the ennui he feels in his life. So he says, you know, I want to go in there. But these documents also then provide a key. Well, actually, it says, so when I learned of a drug, which will unlock the gate, I'm assuming he learned this from the papyrus. Maybe he learned it some other way. doesn't really matter. He learns of this drug, not opium, I guess, because he's been taking opium already. You know, he, he would drift in opiate peace. So he was already taking opium. So this is some other drug. Not clear what it is. Um, but he swallows it. And this allows him to then go permanently to the to the dreamlands. Quote, I drifted on songfully, expectant of the glories of the lands from which I should never return. But as the gate swung wider and the sorcery of drugs and dreams pushed me through, I knew that all the sights and glories were at an end. For in that new realm was neither land nor sea, but only a white void of unpeopled and illimitable space. So happier than I dared hope to be, I dissolved again into that native infinity of crystal oblivion from which the demon life has called me for one brief and desolate hour end quote. and that's how the story ends so he's in the dreamlands and he takes this drug which allows him to permanently float in this golden valley like this place beyond within the dreamlands he takes it and it's just oblivion right so he's completely kind of vaporized out of existence or something dissolved into that Crystal oblivion from which the demon life had called me for one brief and desolate hour. So it's a more extreme story than Selephus, even though it's kind of thematically the same. It goes a little bit farther. It's told in a much more uh, allegorical sense. It's it's does not really so narrative. The really only narrative twist is that he reads these dream sages, and this allows him to to stay permanently in the dreamlands, and then he proceeds to do that. So, anyways, uh, yeah, fun little story. Should should check it out. There's no reason not to. It only takes a few minutes. So, anyways, that's all I'm going to say about it. Like I said, this is going to be a short little episode. Um, next, next will be uh, Nalaropatep. So that will be the very next episode. Um, that was published in January 1921, written in December 1920, based on a dream. This one was based on a dream, although it's not a dream one story in the same way. Um, but very, very interesting. A lot of interesting things going on in that story. So we have to kind of break it down line by line. It's short as well, but but very dense in, in meaning. So, uh, yeah, that's going to be it for now. So thanks for, for listening to my brief take on, on Ex Oblivione. I think it's fairly straightforward. It's just... Uh, it's just about the, the ennui of this existence and a character who is so bored with life that he has to find f first security and meaning 
and something interesting in the dreamlands and then even that he wants to go beyond and he's able to do that through a drug and that takes him into oblivion so that's it that's the story um so if you have your own thoughts about this story let me know send me an email at 100 pagescast at gmail.com or you can hook me up on twitter or or you know leave a comment below this podcast on on podbean what however you want to reach me i don't care so, but that's going to be it for now. So I'll see you next time with uh, my thoughts on Nyla Apatep.